This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior L. Style and Ian McKenzie. Come on, man. So okay. you're Hello. Come Hello. On, we are live. Um, and, and if, if anybody, no one will ever see that. No one will ever see what I just did. But unfortunately, I just, instead of pressing record, which I have now pressed, we are now live, I pressed stop video. So I just sort of <laughs> went straight into nothing. Um, but hello, this is, uh, this is the old days. And uh, I'm joined by two wonderful people. Um, one being a good friend. And I mean, I'm not going to say his name, JC. JC in the building, Josh Connolly is top left on my Zoom screen. Yes, and, and I've hit record today. Indeed, yeah, or, or so he says, and we'll find out in an hour and a half's time. <laughs> um, and then the other chap there uh, is a man that's sort of our, our guiding shaman, the, the silent voice that's decided to come through and from the ground after being buried in a mummified tomb. Um, Hassan Kaya, my business coach, lover, lover, um, Everything really, husband. I'm not told you about this, Josh, but he's, he's a lot of things to me, basically, and friend. Um, and now, quite embarrassed, tartan man in Brighton. Um, Hass, how you doing, man? You okay? It's not tartan, man. It's not tartan. I, I think it? it's played, to be honest. I, I think oh, I'd wow. say it's played rather than tartan. I wasn't expecting that. What's right? So, listen, you know, um, I'd, you know, I, of all the, the roles that you just gave me there, I think, you know, lover and wife you know really sums me up um now doing well brighton's good not as sunny as it was yesterday but uh still good to be on with you boys to start my week yeah and i think it's good that he caused you called you husband and you corrected it to wife wife yeah i just thought of that i was like jesus christ has <laughs> he does look have, have, have any of you have any of you before we start have any of you been watching the tiger tiger king on netflix I've no. just, all I've heard and seen are memes and I've had to watch it, but I've, right. just, I've not enjoyed it. Uh, why? Why is no. this? No, all right. Well, just because Hass having two straight lovers is exactly what happens in, um, <laughs> in the Tiger King. <laughs> so it wasn't relevant. It was relevant in that sense. Nice segue. Um, yeah, no, but, uh, I, don't, I don't like watching stuff when, when the hype's super hyped. I like to wait yeah. for the hype to die down. Yeah, yeah. I, really I watched, watched it, watched it, I watched it before the hype. Uh, okay, what do you mean on your Netflix? Are you a free hype? Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, I <laughs> created on, the hype. Watch it on pirate DVD. I <laughs> created the hype. <laughs> Down the pub. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, chaps, thank you very much for um, for both joining me today. Um, it's, it's Monday, Pleasure. nine in the morning, so it's not even nine. Sorry, it is now. Jesus Christ, we're 10 minutes in. Um, but the reason we all thought it'd be quite nice to get together and chat is one, because we've, we've never done it before. Um, we both, or we all have individual conversations with each other. Has and just so people understand, I call you at most times of need, um, not just sexually, but in business as well. Um, if I'm experiencing any problems, I'll always give you a call. And I think Josh is, is very similar. In fact, Josh, very quickly, could you explain how you know Hass? Uh, I'll give you the quickest form of the story because it, yeah. it is quite a hell of a story. Um, I was introduced to him by a cousin that I didn't know existed. Um, it's a good start. That's a good opener. <laughs> it's a good opener, yeah, yeah. So uh, a cousin that I didn't know existed reached out to me from Australia and told me that their brother lives in England and that we're cousins. He had seen me on the news. I went to meet him. It turns out that he was my cousin. He saw the work that I was doing and I was still at the time trapped in my old job or at least felt trapped in my old job. Yeah. And he said, I'll introduce you to this guy who's a coach called Has, um, and he'll give you 
I now know it was an hour of his time. Uh, and I went and met him in London. We You've been going for... around, everyone saying that uh, I'd give you two hours. And uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was I definitely was like, an hour. One hour. Yeah. Yeah. But we were to, we ended up being together for about four hours. He said, look, uh, don't tell my good friend Ollie about what we've just done. Um, <laughs> no, because that cost look, him four and a half grand ago. Because I charged Ollie. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, and look, we've become um, really, really close friends ever since. And I would I absolutely would not be where I am if it wasn't for Has. It like from a particularly the, the 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 silly little small questions that I'd be mm. too embarrassed to ask anyone else when it comes to. The business and the work that you know that I'm doing, I, there's no way I wouldn't be. I certainly wouldn't be where I am this quickly if it wasn't for Hass. I'm exactly the same, and I feel like we're going to embarrass Hass very quickly. Um, so I, 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 I can only let's move it on. What, yeah, what, yeah. I know what you're doing. You, you, you're building me up only yeah. to like bring me crashing yeah. down. So, so the, the question like I want to start with Hass is: um, summarize business in one sentence, please. Can you? See? <laughs> Okay, right. Okay. So, so some of the things I wanted to chat because as a trio, and, and actually, House, using it as an example, you know, all these wonderful words, um, being the shaman of, of life, it is still hard, right? We're we're in this kind of you know COVID nineteen isolation phase, and I think I was really passionate to get you on now and excited to get you on now because I know that everybody is struggling now. Um, whether it's, you know, being chat with the family that you've not actually seen for the last three months and I'll be like, Jesus Christ, um, this is quite intense now. Um, yeah. or, or, or even, and actually, you know, the second point I want to come on to is business. Um, there are so many wild predictions being made. There are so many people, well, really everyone's turned into kind of a working from home ex- experts or, or even business experts now and, and business, you know, predictions are being made left, right and center. I guess I wanted to, sort of build a framework of conversation around just what is going on and can we be really honest about what we're all experiencing as kind of solo business running entrepreneurs. So I'll start with you, mate. How have you found this? We're, what, we're week two now? We're beginning of week three. Beginning uh, week three. Of this. How have you found it? Um, uh, like everyone, I imagine, up and down. It's a roller coaster. Like, you know, some days uh, you feel on top of it all, life's good you're getting to spend time with like family and hanging out and then business is all right and then you maybe another day you consume too much news and it's kind of you take it all on board and there's a lot you can't do and I think my as you guys both know uh, thank you for the wonderful intros by the way um as you both know you know my my work is as a coach so I spend a lot of time with people who are trying to navigate this place so the two things I, I sort of would like to share is that, you know, there's only so much you can give other people. So you, first, what you need to do is kind of, you need to resource yourself. You need to take oxygen yourself. You need to come and make sure that you're feeling good about your environment, about what you're doing. And then whenever you're making some space and time for other people, it's, it's try, you know, trying to be as objective as you can. Uh, for me, what I've realized through my coaching and through the work that I'm doing with other people is you can only control the controllables, right? There's only so much that you can influence in this whole thing that's going on. There's only so much you can influence other people who are buying your services or your product, right? You can mm. do what you can do. And I think that's the key thing that I'm trying to stay anchored to is just controlling what I can control and not to get, you know, it's not that the other stuff doesn't affect me emotionally and kind of, you know, the way that we're doing business, but you can't get overly drawn into it. And then the other thing that I'm trying to do is use the extra space and time in a way that feels good for me. So spending Mm. 
the right time on the on the right things you know is one of the like intentions that I talked to you guys about earlier uh, last week so uh, not trying to overly push yourself into trying to kind of you know solve everything but also being you know being clear that you still need to have some sort of structure and you still need to have some sort of process that enables you to not get con- totally consumed by it and that you just keep going. You also mentioned um, that thing that you wrote about called Fond, or there's a massive photo of, of, of cheese, um, which is great for me going through a keto diet. Melted cheese. Yeah, yeah exactly. Melting, yeah. oh, is that Homer Simpson? Yeah. But yeah, I know it was completely unrelated to what you were saying, but you spelled it, it was an acronym yeah. of Fond, yeah. which is yeah. fear of not doing enough. And I can, like, Correct. I can properly i mean we even had a phone call right i was i was standing just outside there yeah. on the phone to you you saying, were the inspiration for it actually you were partly oh, really? the inspiration for it yeah 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 it, yeah. it's it's interesting because i i think everybody has got to this point of like okay so it's all about what you're digesting right you know the linkedin diet that i think we all kind of eat um or, or survive off and there are so many people yeah. that you know sort of talking about the what they're doing, what they're learning, what, how they're using this time. And, and it's immediately triggering, right? You sort of go, fucking hell, I'm not doing anywhere near enough stuff. And I saw that post and I think it was very reassuring. We could just so uh, people to understand, what was that, what was that about? That post? So fond, fond, fond is fear of not doing enough. Oh, wait, is and, that a known um, term? Have you just made that up? No, I just, I just made it up. Oh, I made it no, up. you uh, didn't. You pulled that <laughs> from somewhere. <laughs> Mate, I pulled it from my head. That's, yeah, from the, from, from the sage and wise <laughs> mind. Jay Shetty Tuia. Jay Shetty Tuia. Uh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And may, maybe somewhere in the ether, I read it somewhere. I'm joking. But, uh, I'm joking. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it uh, recently. Um, you know, that is the fear of not doing enough is, you know, when we, when we um, get into this space where we're spending a lot of time by ourselves or in front of a screen, either for work or our business, we feel like we've got to do as much as possible um, to save whatever it is we're trying to save, save our job, save our business, um, save the relationships that we have. And so you think that actually, you know, the more time you spend in front of your screen, the more time you spend at your desk, the more time you spend working, uh, the better it is. As people can consequently do like 10, 12, 13 hours. And then when you sort of break free of that, you think, well, oh, well, I'm never going to have this time back again. So I'll learn to guitar or I'll learn French or I'll, you know, I'll bake all the time or I'll, you know, I'll teach my kids, you know, all these things that they should be taught because we're homeschooling. You just can put yourself too much, uh, too much pressure on yourself. And so the idea is um, actually don't give yourself such a hard time. Understand that what you're doing is enough. And when your day is done, it's done and move on to something else and transition in and out of whatever you're doing. Mm. But don't put this incessant kind of pressure on yourself just to keep doing new things and you know don't squander the time and you know it's just it's just try not to turn this into a an, it's an extremely abnormal situation that we're in don't make it worse by trying to put so much pressure on yourself so ease off of that and just be cool um knowing that what, what you're doing is the right thing and if you do want to do things differently if you want to kind of try new hobbies plan them out don't just kind of run into it and think oh well i'll just you know i'll just do it plan it out and then give yourself the time and space to do it how have you found this on linkedin by the way because i've i've we've all had a good chat about this um offline uh and without obviously it isn't a naming or shaming or anything like that but i think like all of us have seen trends definitely on linkedin um how have you found it what have you liked and what have you disliked on social media in general because i've definitely I've had to really be careful with what I kind of engage with now, I think. 
That was a question. Yeah. Sorry. That was, I'm uh, going to ask both of you, actually. Josh, I'm going to go for what have you, what have you disliked, actually, because I like getting you in an in anti-passionate place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I've disliked is the, 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 the obsessant calling out of each other. Um, there's a, I think the rise of virtue signaling has been um, awful, d- disgusting, it's horrible, makes me feel ill. And I don't, um, I don't uh, put myself away from that. I, I, I know I can get caught up in that. But you know, like the, and I'm surprised that this, these kind of posts made it to LinkedIn, but the kind of stay at home, you're an idiot for being out. And this like, uh, why, why is everyone at the park? And everyone's getting like annoyed with each other when really like, like Hass has just said, we're all sort of trying to make our way in this. And uh, like, we're all making mistakes we're all doing things that are probably fall outside of the guidelines that we've been given at some stage right and i just don't like the kind of uh, attempts to sort of elevate ourselves by pointing out how badly everybody else is doing it so there's I've seen definitely a, little bit a lot of that. of that there's definitely a, i feel i feel a lot of that actually the the pointing out somebody's um how they're not doing it how the government have prescribed or whatever to make themselves feel a lot better and elevate themselves in society i've seen yeah. so much of that yeah, and then because everyone is sort of a big ball of emotion at the moment, um, political talk has become very difficult. But I will, on a very serious point, I, I, like now is the time that we should be trying to have proper and decent dialogue about politics, right? Um, and understanding one another's different views around it. A lot of people are saying now's not the time to talk about it. But actually, in the midst of this is when we should really sort of take stock and understand just how much of an influence the government that serves us has on us as people. Mm. And it's very easy to get caught up in the little things that each other are doing right and wrong, when actually the people that we elect to serve us are the ones that we should be having conversation about. But we find it very, very difficult to do that without it becoming very tribal and sort of like my team's better than your team. And I, and by the way, I'm one of the worst on that front. So I'm not suggesting by any stretch that, that this is something that everybody else is rubbish at, but I do think it's something that we, we, we should, we should try to engage in where we could, but, but social media is probably the wrong place for that as well. Well, hang on. Like before we move on from that, I I just think that people are in the eye of the storm at the moment in terms of fear and worry. And so I don't know if now is the time to kind of jump in and talk. Your sound. Sit back a bit. Your, your your headphones are interfering with your mic. Uh, Uh, Interesting. Um, Nice, Josh. Sorry. I sound like. (laughs) Um, So I, I, um, I don't know if now is the time to engage in like dialogue or kind of question like whether the government is doing the right job or not in, 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 a, in a way that kind of is, is forcing dialogue around politics. It should be around, are we safe? Are we healthy? Is, you know, and I don't know whether bashing politics. Well, is- no, I, and I, I agree with you, but I think there's a difference between bashing and uh, holding our, whichever political party is in charge, it happens to be who it is at the moment, but actually holding them accountable is different to bashing. And right now, I don't want to go into the political discussion because it's, I don't think, pod, pod, having just said that we should, yeah. uh, I don't know if this is the right place to be doing it. But, but, but actually, 
it's very easy to just say, are we all doing the right thing? They're doing the best that they can. But, but as voters, we should be holding them accountable. And if that means that some of our, our national heroes who we're clapping on the, on, the, on the front garden regularly every week are not getting the equipment that they should have and deserve, then, then whoever's fault that is should be absolutely, I believe, held accountable right now because, because they're trying to hold us accountable. Uh, don't go out if you're not running and stop laying on the field in Regent Park in London. They're, they're, they're making us very accountable for that. So actually, as the elected people to lead through any difficult stage, I think they should absolutely be, be, be held accountable. However, that is a lot different to bashing and it's very difficult to hold somebody accountable without becoming passionate and bashing. That, it, yeah, and that's what... And there's a problem with your mic, Has at mm, the moment. Definitely, there is a, there is a problem. With, it's annoying because I really want to ask Has a question, but he's got a purring that happens when you talk. First thing I'm thinking of is our offices, right? I'm looking at all of these people that are now working from home. By the way, like in some industries, it was just not a thing. Like my friend who was a lawyer would never work from home, never acceptable. That's now become the case. There are so many careers that I've got, um, you know, friends or different industries that they're working in that they've had to work from home. My first thoughts are, imagine if everyone flips now and goes, oh, do you know, we could save a lot of money on offices. What is going to happen to like the office group or WeWork or, you know, these kind of things? Can you, do you think there's going to be a change? Um, I, I hope not. I hope not. Very quickly, I'll say I hope not. It, not too much because I only saw that change as being a positive originally. Mm. But I saw you post about it, Ollie, on LinkedIn, and it did make me think that it wouldn't. I don't. It it wouldn't be nice if all of a sudden companies started doing it just to save money, mm. and we took away all of that connection and working together. That. I would worry about that. I wouldn't see that necessarily as a, as, a, as a huge, fully positive thing. Of course, there's positives in it. I don't know what you think, Has. Uh, I think it, it's inevitably going to change um, because what we've proven is that we can work like this and we can work remotely and we can get stuff done. Um, but I do think we'll return back to offices, you know, because... Um, one of the things that you know gets missed is serendipity um, and innovation and you know working together as a team and no amount of bricks and mortar cost is going to replace that but what I think we will see less of is just you know people having to jump on planes and go across the Atlantic to New York for one single meeting and come back. We've proven that we don't need to do that. So I think uh, from, a, from a kind of a macro perspective, it's going to be brilliant for the environment. I think it's going to be brilliant for families because you're just not going to have to be a road warrior and just, you know, as an executive, which I, I had to do in a former life, as you know, and lots of people have to do. Um, and then I think what what we'll see is we'll see better interaction this way and there'll be advancements in how to be more effective around it. Um, what you will see probably is that there will be bricks and mortar um, like premises, but what will happen is um, your maximum occupancy, which is what they use to calculate, will be much smaller. Mm. So they will, they will assume that a lot of people won't be in the office. And I think you'll see a lot of relaxation around flexible working. The big challenge used to be, will people work? And I think people, you know, we're proving that actually that people do, do still work. So, um, yeah, we're going to go back to offices. It's going to happen sooner than later. And, uh, you know, but I think the world is different now for the better. Do you think, and I think that's a really good point, and not, not just stick around on, on offices and flexible working, but what about communication now? Have you, I've found my life is a lot less 
interrupted by crap things that aren't relevant to me, really depersonalized messaging and, and brands kind of using that sort of megaphone approach where they're just sort of spraying and praying that it's going to land on somebody or, or in, in front of someone. Do you think that will last when all of this kind of stops? I know I'm trying to make you uh, give me a kind of more of an advertising prediction, but how do you think this will change in not just brands, but in people and how they communicate to strangers or society? Uh, say more, Ollie. Like, what, what, what do you mean? What I mean by that is that, okay, so a lot of brands, if you look at any brand book or any, if you look at any um, people giving advice on what to do in this crisis, right, a lot of them have just said, if you have nothing to say of value, don't say anything at all. Do not, st- absolutely, the, the rule, rule number one is don't try and capitalize on this. Don't try and sway it in your favor. Nobody's going to look, look at you favorably after all of this if you've made a quick buck out of everybody, right? Um, so my, my thoughts are, well, actually, how... How much is that going to impact advertising in general? Because in general, that's what people want anyway. People are blocking ads now. People are you know, trying to get these things out of their lives unless they're actually engaging with them. We've slowed down. We don't buy things as much as we're buying things. We're not out and about. So when we re-enter society, are we going to have an even more, because we were heightened to this anyway in terms of bullshit detectors, are we going to have an even more kind of sensitive or sensitivity around brand bullshit, brand communication, even people bullshit, because everyone's engaging with it on a, you know, what was it, 10 or 15 times more now on different social media platforms. So what I'm saying is, does that have legs to sustain itself? Or will we see a return of brands and people still plastering the planet with their bullshit (laughs) when all of this dies down? Uh, So I think, I'd love to think that it will stick around um i suspect that we're going to return back to that sort of you know that sort of normalcy over a period of time because it's a it's a significant industry and it's not just the advertising industry don't forget the advertisers do work on behalf of uh businesses that they represent right and those businesses have to operate and they're going to have to make um uh, amends for these losses that they've been taking. Uh, the narrative may shift a little bit, but they're still going to be using creative and advertising to sell products. And so that is still going to happen. Um, is there going to be more authenticity? Uh, maybe for a while, but I think, um, I think that we're going to see a return to, you know, agencies doing work for clients who are trying to sell stuff, you know? So, um, our consciousness as humans is going to be more, uh, I think, alerted to the fact that there are more important things than just buying loads of shit and accumulating loads of shit. And we know that. And so it's just whether it gets ingrained into our psyche, whether we emerge out of this and and actually appreciate life for everything that's, that's around us, like just being able to go out and congregate and do that sort of stuff. Or you know, do you want to get yourself a new Prada handbag, uh, Ollie? Uh, I suspect you're probably missing that, right? <laughs> you say I look better in Prada anyway, so yeah, anything for you. you mate, you, you, when you're <laughs> dripping all in Prada, like, that's just the best look. And goose fat. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think, okay, is there anything that's irreversible? And, and Josh, it'd be good to hear your thoughts on this as well. Is there anything that you think, you know, I'm calling this ACBC just for the sake of uh, the hilarity of, of um, moving on from religion, um, but also... Like it just makes life easier. But AC, do we think anything is going to be irreversible 
whether it's from our values, whether it's from our daily behavior, whether it's from just buying a regular amount of toilet paper. Um, is there anything that you think is going to be irreversible? If you're, if you're asking me, I, I, I tend to, like, I could be a dreamer and start talking about all the things that I think will change and, and will be irreversible. But I actually think the moment we get sort of let back out into the world as it was, I actually think if I'm being really honest, everyone will charge even harder towards how it used to be mm. um, because they miss it. And so actually, I think in some ways, as much as I went through a little phase where I thought, yeah, we're all going to like change and become much better people as a result of all of this. I actually wonder if we might just surge even harder towards everything that we, that we had. Right especially when that's kind of how addictive behavior works mm. is that currently we're in withdrawal. And when we get the opportunity to justify and feel like it's okay to go back to those things that, that served that purpose in our lives, we may actually run harder. You know, like uh, if you do dry January with alcohol, probably, <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> probably in February, you smash the booze hard, right? Mm. February, the first week of February. And then after the first week of smashing it really hard, you kind of go back to, to how you were before dry January. So unless you're really conscious and mindfully trying to do it in that way. And I don't think many of us are consciously mindfully trying to do it in that way. I think we're getting through it. And then we may see, a charge back to, towards everything how it was. Okay. What do you think, Has? Do you think there's anything... It, I mean, it, I, th I think the thing about dry January is uh, everyone's, it's become a thing that everyone expects to do, right? So it's like you get, you, you're going to have a hard December and then in January you're going to do a dry January and then so there's, there's a cyclical nature of it whereas there is nothing normal about this situation that we're in at the moment. So... Uh, you know, it's a it's incumbent upon us to do something different when we come out of this. So I think I'm with Josh. I think we're going to return to a lot of normal stuff and normal behaviour. We may even go back a bit harder, as Josh says. But I think the work that some people are doing right now to try and make some of the changes from within the eye of the storm, so that it affects kind of future, you know, the um, future behaviours. Um, is smart, and I think you know the the businesses and the brands that are that are behaving responsibly now are going to emerge in a different space. And the ones that are trying to, um, <clears throat> like I think, not to take us back to politics again, but I read yesterday that J Jacob Recent Mogg's investment firm sent a note out to all of its um, like investors, said that they could make super returns, right? So uh, through this COVID period, and I just thought <clears throat> those businesses that behave like that are going to struggle on the other side. So I think it's about how the people react to whatever comes out of whatever massive party period happens when we're finally allowed to break free of this thing. After that is when we'll really know. I think it's too too much speculation to try and predict what happens now. Yeah, yeah, I think we're not even really, if this is going to be a three-month period and we're only sort of, you know, a third of the way, not even a third of the way through that. So I think, you know, Josh, you speak about the pink cloud phase. Um, I definitely went through, I think I'm still going through my pink cloud phase. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's kind of like the post-adaption uh, post or post kind of like... Uh, acceptance of this sort of bizarre situation that we're in and then kind of with withdraw it all 
gleaning the positive situation out of everything, going, oh, I'm enjoying this pace of life. I'm enjoying being in Boxed In and da 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 da, da. I, I've definitely had like flecks or reminders of what my actual life used to be like. And like, fucking, I just want to go to a pub or I just want to go like play squash or whatever. Um, but but most of the time I'm, I'm spending a better mindset now because I know this is all I have. You are right. With, if I think now, what's the first thing that I'm going to do when all of this is lifted? Is it, you know, nip down to Waitrose and buy a mindful amount of pasta and da 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 and go and sit in my living room doing fuck all with me? No way. No, it's not. But then what it has taught me, and I think it's taught me lessons around overconsumption, probably going out too much or, you know, spending too much time not in this house. Um, it's given me, if I was to take a learning, it's given me much more uh, excitement around building and the phase of building. I try and rush that. Uh, most of my life in everything that I do, whether it's an email, whether it's a business, whether it's a website, I just, because of my, um, and this is getting a little bit deeper, but because of maybe a lack of self-confidence in certain areas, I almost need validation bef- uh, before I've built it. So whether it's an email or, or even a status on LinkedIn, I'd rather press post. It's quite a sort of... Um, what's the word, a masochistic thing. I'd rather press post quicker before it's refined, you know, to look really good the, and learn what everyone thinks about it instead of just taking some more time and meditating on it and then crafting it to look a lot better. So I think the one thing I've learned from this period is just is to spend more time um, and, and I guess trusting my own intuition around certain things. Um, so I think if I was to take anything into the future, I'm praying and hoping that the one thing I do is to slow down uh, and not just kind of rush to get something out into the ether to hear what everyone thinks about it and really, I guess, you know, keep it within a small network and bounce it around people and then take time, craft, build, create, then put whatever it is out there. Have you had any learnings like that? Have you had anything where you've gone, oh, okay, I didn't know I'd, I should do that more? Um, I mean, I think one thing that's been reinforced, we've talked a lot about it this year and, you know, towards the back end of last year around systems and mm. um, the need for structure and, you know, in, in where this, where days can roll into other days and can roll into weekends and weekends can roll into kind of weekdays, you know, it's just, unless you put some structure in place, um, it's, it's, it's really easy just to kind of, blend and merge into one and I think uh, so that's something I've learned I mean in terms of what you were saying about just getting out and, and letting and, and letting the market tell you and letting people tell you that's that's a powerful that's a powerful way to get stuff refined and you know make something that really fits the market that's what mm. product companies use to refine their products they talk about ship it and then iterating and refine it and, but I think finding the right balance of taking some time just to, to think and to um, not overthink, but actually just spend a bit of time thinking about the impact of uh, the work that you're doing and then executing at pace as well. That's a really good learning that you've had. I think, you know, being able to think fast and slow is something that's really, you know, going to serve you well because sometimes you can over-index on, on, on action and activity and you, lo- and you lose sight of stuff and then sometimes you can just take your uh, time uh, and overthink things. So if you can get the right balance, that's really good. Um, but for me, I think just uh, balancing uh, the fluidity of the world that we're in with a bit of structure has been a, a powerful learning for me. Mm. By you, Josh? <laughs> I think I've I've recognised the value in 
being out and amongst people. I kind of always knew that value. It's like, it's difficult for me because my life outside of work really hasn't changed massively um, in that my life has always been, I work and then I come home and spend time with my family and we normally leave the house to go for a walk with the dog, right? So like in that sense, my life hasn't changed massively. It has definitely made me um, want to, like me and my my father-in-law, who's kind of the, the person who I kind of socialize with outside of my immediate family, um, we always talk about going and do these different things. And since my two youngest have been born, we haven't been doing them. So it's definitely made me think that I will start booking them things and we'll get out and do them more. Like there's life beyond my my close, tight knit family, but not massively. Not really? massively. I find that mad. Yeah. Like, I guess because so much of my life is. Ch- I live in pretty much central London. I'm, you know, it's it's. I'm out the whole time. I'm always working. I work in three different places a day. Um, how are you? I mean, Josh. Obviously, you're not um, as boozy as as me or Hass might be. Um, <laughs> slash, you're like 25 years sober, whatever it is now. But um, check the tats. Um, what, how are you finding? I mean, either either way, you're going to find that you don't have things like your your commuting. And you, I remember you saying on the last podcast that you know, getting up and speaking in front of people is your release in some in some ways. Hass, you share a love for a good red wine or whatever in the evening. Um, how are you finding that you know you're escaping the monotony of life? God, that's such a depressing question. How are you? How are you? You know, have you have you struggled? Have you sort of gone like, oh gee, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't have a glass of two glasses of one every night, or you know, how are you? Yeah, basically, it's the questions around a sort of escapism. How are you escaping um, your monotonous, dull life? Cheers. Uh, uh, there's no escape uh yeah look i mean i was talking uh to a friend who lives in australia and um he he asked me uh he asked me if uh like is it here more like am i drinking more you know through this through this kind of process and you're definitely finding that that is something that's uh, become way easier to kind of crack open at, at, at four o'clock and uh, and then you just you have one or two and then it turns into a bit more and um, and I think that seems to have become quite normal for a lot of people and I'm not sure that um, uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot to kind of take from it other than we're just trying to get through each day as it comes and not to overdo it um, uh, as best you can. I think also don't overthink mm. what's going on. Other than that, just trying to, you know, make time for things that I haven't been able to make time for because I'm running a couple of businesses and I'm a dad of three. So that sort of spare time, I'm just enjoying it in the best way possible without kind of putting too much pressure to kind of do new things. Mm. Yeah, I find the uh, <laughs> this is the hard thing because you, you kind of, you get into a routine for both, you know, good and bad. You can get into a routine of waking up and doing exercise in the morning and then also you get into the routine of having a good G&T or, or 10 um, on, a, on, a, on a Monday night. You, you sad, sad loser. Um, anyway, no, sorry. So I want, I want to also make some more predictions because we, one of the things um, that I wanted to kind of get out of this really is like, okay, if, if, if nothing... Um, what would you, and, and, you know, what are you hoping to have sort of withdrawn from this whole period of time? And, you know, is, is there anything that you're kind of hoping, okay, right, 
I've, I've, I have picked up this thing. I have, I have, you know, learned Spanish, for example, or, or taken whatever it is into this next world. I, I still want to get something from you, Josh, because you've now, you sort of dodged that question a few times. What, as in what, what have I taken from this? I want you to take something, even if not, because Hassan and I were chatting the other day, and actually it's a better way of asking the question. We spoke about, um, well, Hassan, you said it was the 1st of April, April Fool's, but also the beginning of a new quarter. And you decided to take it upon yourself to kind of set some intentions. Yeah. Um, for me, what I normally do in this position is set goals. I never, I never achieve them. I normally set things that are quite wild and, um, and ambiguous and ambitious and they never really happen. I probably forget about them after the, the first week of probably the first day of setting them, to be honest. And you said something really interesting on a call that we had. It was about setting intentions. And I guess that's more behaviorally over the next kind of three months. But can you, can you explain what that is and why you're doing it and maybe even give us insight as to what you're setting? Yeah, sure. Um, so I saw, I, I, it wasn't by design really. I, I woke up, um, I woke up on the 1st of April. I, I, I realized it was the first day of the month. It was the first day of the quarter. There was sort of um, uh, awareness around that that made me think, okay, I want to try and do things differently mm. This, uh, you know, for this period that I'm at home. So instead of kind of setting goals or outcomes, which feels very focused on kind of um, really on what, what the end goal is, this is really just about a way of being. And, and I wanted to you know, approach the next period, whatever that might be, um, with a different perspective. So I set some intentions. One was um, uh, to bring, as I've sort of talked about today, to bring routine uh, every day in my life. So for me, that's, you know, getting up and doing exercise. It's spending some time with the kids. It's um, making sure that, you know, that I have uh, a certain amount of work calls that I create some space just to actually do work. I'm being in charge, by the way. Carry on. Please carry on. All right. And, um, uh, the uh, other thing is to have a positive relationship around food. So it's really easy if, to get into a place, Josh, where we can just uh, eat mindlessly. And so it's about finding the right balance. And then the last one is to spend the right time doing the right thing. So not to kind of overly pressure myself to kind of do one or, or other. Like So not to spend too much uh, put too much pressure on myself to spend too much time with my family or my kids or their schooling or whatever, or with friends that I haven't seen, but actually to, um, to just spend the right time on the right things. So that, so, and the intentions is really about a way of being. It's not like an end goal in sight. So, um, and so I talked to you both, didn't I, about kind of do, doing the same. I, I guess the thing that I wanted to do is I, I saw the kind of the positive feeling it gave in me. And then so I've made it my mission to get as many of my mates to do the same thing, to try and bring a bit of positivity, a new frame of reference for the next few months. Um, and hopefully that, you know, that sort of, you know, creates a cascading effect and we get other people to kind of do the same thing, just set a bit of intention. Yeah. I gave it a go. Um, that was that was quite smooth, wasn't that? I saw it back in there. Wow! <laughs> I can't even tell you the stress that I had trying to locate a charger. <laughs> All right, so I've I've had a go, and I'll be really honest. I've actually um, I've struggled on the third one. Um, Sorry, I'm out of breath. I know, I've never been out of breath on a podcast before. This is a first. <laughs> it's because I'm on uh, on the podcast, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus just... Christ, he looks so attractive. Um, so my intention so far, because uh, I I think I've um. I've always struggled with productivity. I've always struggled with, uh, well, not struggle with productivity. It's more 
laser focus uh, for a length of time. And I think it comes down to maybe lack of clarity um, and sometimes lack of not blocking out other things to focus on. You know, there's this podcast, there's rank, my nutrition thing, there's unknown, there's unknown Dublin. There's like four things whirring around in my head. So, and, and at any point I could be notified on any of them. So I sort of just make myself accessible. And I think the first point I've made is to be, I've written here, be clear, deliberate and design how I work better. So like, okay, I've realized I work better in sprints. So the 30, 40 minute headphones on really heavy music and then just focusing on whatever it is that I'm doing. That for me, I know really works, but I rarely ever get myself into that place just because the dopamine hit of um, responding to things quickly and feeling validated and, you know, having people asking me questions and stuff feels nicer than building something that's probably more torturous and takes more thought. So, but I know that I feel better once I've done option two than I do on just replying to everything the whole time. Mm. That was the first one, being more clear and deliberate. And then the second one, oh shit, (laughs) sorry, I've, I've, I've explained one. The other one is go deep, right? But that kind of me it's the, it's the same as the first one, right? So, like, are you laughing? <laughs> I said, go deep, Josh. No, 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 no. But they kind of blend into one because, and that isn't just in work, by the way. That's in everything. That's in like how I, uh, when I read a book, I'm not my phone isn't there at the same time. When I watch a series that I'm binging, it's just watching that. It's not also being on my phone because. I find that I'm doing like three things at once. It's not new to say this, but I am doing, particularly now, we've got more screens than ever, three things at once. I'm not really experiencing any of them. And I know that I feel better after I've just done one, just done one meditation, just done one, you know, screen or movie or, or whatever I'm engaging with. So those are the two that I've got. And I've not got anything else that's uh, maybe more personalized and less businessy. But yeah, that's where I'm up to. I mean, I think that's, look, if it's two, it's two. That's the thing, Ollie. Like, this isn't supposed to be um, forced homework, right? Like, it's just got to resonate. Good, because I haven't done it. Yeah, good. (laughs) You never have. (laughs) I thought you you would be, like, right up, bang up for this. This this is your cup of tea, really. But anyway, it doesn't matter that you haven't done it. We're going to put you on the spot in a minute. Um, Oh, nice. I think, what you know, what like, two is good. And if another one kind of comes to you it comes to you but this isn't about a forced way of being it's just a way that you want to be so um we should check in again in a in in about a month's time and just Mm. see how it's working for us and what shifts need to be made all right josh yeah josh what yours uh my first one is uh, i think it's go deep i uh (laughs) it sounds weirder when you say it somehow No, uh, to be honest it with you... It sounded pretty weird when you said it, mate. To be honest, to be honest with really. you, to be honest with you, I really liked your, I really liked your first one, Ollie. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I would much rather, I will start doing something for the long haul and think to myself, I could nail this in a social media post and just put that out now and get loads of validation for it. So I'm just going to sit and construct that and then just regularly check that for the next hour to see how that's done, right? <laughs> so actually shutting that off and really, so in this period of time, I really want to be um, extending my catalog of workshops, right? 
Um, but I'm, I, I'm not very good at creating something that somebody's not waiting for because I don't have the, mm. the, the hit at the end of somebody saying, thanks for producing this first, Josh. It's brilliant. Right. That's so amazing. that's just, a really good point. Just producing something so that it's there and ready for when somebody wants and needs it. What I start to do is tell myself I'm not very good at this and I can't do it. Right. But when I look at what I was able to do with, my resilience workshop and converting it into this online thing within like a week when somebody was like, Josh, can you do it and deliver it next week? I did it. And there's been a little bit of a refining period on top of that, but actually I nailed it very, very quickly. So I can do it, but I struggle with that self motivation when there's no, um, validation from somebody at the end of it. Right. I find that really interesting. Can I just say, sorry, that is the biggest thing that I struggle with. It is, you're right. Because you do it and you're like, oh, fucking, I'm so glad I've done that. No one gives a fuck. Like, is it yeah. nobody? And I'm, that's been a bit of, well, year, well, year and a half now into being an entrepreneur. Uh, I guess I went from intrapreneur to entrepreneur. Um, but a year into that, and the first thing that you realize is there isn't anybody that is going to say to you, well, apart from Hass, depending on what mood he's in, um, that you've done a really good job. And, and you know, I went from having uh, things like figures and sales figures as being my sort of source of validation and proof that I was good at my job. It's really interesting. It's even the same if you look at education. You know, why is it not enough now to say, I'm self, like Josh, for example, you're self-educated, arguably by the most intelligent people in the world at what they do in addiction, Gabo Mate, you know, Eckhart mm. Tolle. These people are like, it's like saying that you went to Harvard, but because you've not got this certification, this, this piece of paper that you could have forgotten, you are apparently in society not, uh, not as credited as somebody could be, right? But I, I use that as, a, as, a, as, a, as an example that actually you don't need... You don't really need it. As long as you can build a system so you feel like you are self-validating over, over relying on somebody else's, actually you can build more through the confidence that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it is, like you say, when there's no direct, like if I produce a, a, a workshop on authenticity, right, to be delivered to nobody and it doesn't get booked for God knows how long, right? I've got this thing sat there that my mind will just eventually tell me is rubbish, right? And that's unusable because I, I actually need people to tell me that I'm, I've done it really, really good, right? Mm. Otherwise, I, I, I really struggle. Now, this is moving into a conversation about what codependency means and stuff like that, right? But, but I do very much need the validation of other people um, in order to feel like what I've achieved is a good thing. Mm. Um, I'm much better now at motivating myself, but it's still very much there. And actually on the flip side, that the, the, the same thing is true as well, right? I, I, if I feel like I've upset people, um, I'm very good at acting like I don't care and it's water off a duck's back, right? But actually it, w- it, it will play on my mind and play on my mind and play on my mind. And I can't get rid of it until I've somehow tried to write that yeah mm. um and so it can it le- it can leave me in this place where i have like these mini outbursts as well right because i keep everything back because i want to be liked by everyone mm. um and of course that's impossible um and it's codependent behavior to to live a life where i'm consistently suppressing or not doing certain things that i should be doing be- through fear of losing the respect of people that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. So um, if 
you, Ollie, said, I've got this company and they want this, uh, they want you to produce this workshop and they want it by next week. Mm. I'll go out and be motivated and I'll do it, bam, right off the bat. Yeah, I'll get it finished by today. I'll chuck it out to Haz. He'll tell me, change this, change this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. Da, da, da. But I know there's an end goal there. The doing it of just to broaden my horizons and and uh, uh, make me more of a fuller uh, article in that sense is I find the motivation for that really difficult. And I can sit in this office for a whole day do, creating workshops, and when I come out at the end of the day, my wife says to me, "What have you been doing in there?" And I think nothing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done anything. Yeah, but I've like left the whole day trying to do something. On, you know, the, the, I was going to say that because the two of you and me to some degree as well, you know, I've only been doing this a few years, well, four or five years now. But um, in the beginning, when you start out, you're being validated by the people who buy your product. Right. And mm. so not not internally, not yourself. You don't have that confidence yet. You might have had confidence in another sphere. So I was a I was very confident as a as a corporate HR director, but coming in and starting your own business, you're looking for validation. So if uh, people are setting you tasks and you're delivering against it and you get good feedback, then that is validation. Whereas when you're not in that space being pressure prompted, um, then it's much harder to kind of motivate. And that's why empowering context is super important. I talked to you guys about it. Like, what's the, what's the why behind what you're trying to create? What's the vision? And it's, it's in those moments where you're really connected to kind of what you're trying to do um, that it sort of starts to fall in place. So, Ollie, when we've been talking about what unknown stands for, like really diving into like what it is you're trying to create the market within the marketplace, the difference, what you truly believe as an, as an individual, not what people need to hear about kind of recruitment, but actually what you truly believe is what is the empowering context. So, and whilst that isn't the kind of the golden ticket, like there are days when, you know, I'm feeling like I don't really know what, where to go next. Um, and I don't get the same sort of validation as, say, a client that kind of gives you the yes or a social post that gets, a, you know, some, some kind of resonance. I know that what I'm trying to build is connected to who I am as a person. And that's what kind of pushes me to push other people. And, and I think that's the thing to remember in those moments when, you, you know, you, you're not getting validation. And then there comes a point, there's a transition where you stop thinking about like what other people are giving you. And then it's about what you just want to put out in the world. And I think that's just, that's a different journey for different people. I think that's the bit that everyone says is, I think Seth Godin speaks about leadership being like, it's nobody knows, you know, even a, even a heart surgeon that's done a million, you know, surgeries on a specific thing, they don't know for sure that you're going to be okay. But they, so they say to you, you're going to be okay. And you, you know, you trust that person because they've done it a few times, but they still don't know. And I think, Leadership, I'm not trying to say that I'm anything near a fucking heart surgeon, but like leadership is diving into a lot of these things without guarantee validation. I think that's the difference between being, you know, working for somebody else and working for yourself. And it's if I guess you just get better. It's funny because people are better in different situations. If you asked me to get up and sing in front of loads of people, I wouldn't have any trepidation or inertia about doing it. In fact, I'd really enjoy it. I don't know what you're like, Josh, on that front, but I, I imagine you might find that a little bit more daunting. And then you flip it and you go, okay, go and speak to everybody about business. I would not want to do that. I would be so scared and terrified because I wasn't good enough. And I think there's, it's interesting. The, the fear doesn't go away completely in these certain situations, or at least the inertia to not do so. But certainly like it gets easier. The feeling of you get used to kind of 
doing these things and and uh, leading more or daring more greatly, if that's the term. It's like when you get into the pool, you see that person that's kind of like torturing themselves for like eight minutes or nine minutes, kind of like getting in, like oh, each bit. Whereas if you just dive in, it's it's you know it's the same. So looping it back in a really really long way, and it's the longest segue I think I've ever had. Um, what I'm going to do is dive straight into the pool rather than sort of drip feed myself in. Uh, with tasks that I know are going to be building things for the future, and and know the fa- know that it's normal not to get immediate validation from creating those things. Um, one of which I'm going to speak to you about after this phone call because I think there could be something really interesting in in actually this format of reporting, um, uh, entrepreneurship and that sort of thing. But yeah, sorry. So that actually, do you know what I'm going to say? That is what I'm going to take into uh, AC actually. Uh, after coronavirus, I'm going to say that diving into these things and knowing and trusting that I'm not going to get immediate validation or proof of concept is actually of value and it's it's going to help grow me for the future. And I'd really like to hear what you're doing about authenticity, Josh, because that I think is what, you know, if anybody is going to be taking anything into the future now, this has been the biggest chance for brands to be authentic and some people have stood up and done brilliantly and others have done really badly. I'm not just saying brands, but people. Like mm. how, many, how many people have got it so right in their communication? They've been honest, they've validated the situation and they've been really authentic in themselves and they've been honest about how they don't know what's going to happen and how many people have got it so wrong where mm. they've gone, how can I make money out of this situation? I'm just going to give you a quick thing. My mum's friend, this is just, I can't wait. This is one thing I think is going to, is going to get removed out of the world. My mum's friend works for a business and they've gone, we, we, we've applied for all of you guys to be on furlough, but 70% of you are going to still keep on working and take uh, pay reductions. And we're not going to give you that furlough money because we need to protect the business. And we're going to try and find a way to get the money that the government are paying you to keep the company afloat. And by the way, you might lose your job in the, in the, in the process. No way. Wow. So I'm hoping, Josh, that your authenticity course can help people like that sort of work out who they are and who they need to be. Yeah. And you asked me what I'm doing about authenticity at the moment. I'm doing a hell of a lot of talking about creating a workshop around authenticity. Right, nice. As far as it goes at the moment. No, listen, I've got some really big thoughts and ideas on what authenticity is at the core. Uh, I've spoke about it on a Dog Days podcast before. A lot of it's steeped in the work actually that comes from Dr. Gabor Mate, but it is about reconnecting with ourselves, what we what we think and believe, and and then how we communicate that. And so often, and that comes through self-knowledge and understanding how and why I portray myself in the way that I do in the world, right? And understanding that when we portray ourselves in the world, quite often we're portraying a version of ourselves that we believe the world wants to see, which is very different to portraying ourselves um, as who we truly are. When we don't portray ourselves as who we truly are, then we are not able to get what we truly want because we're portraying what we think the person that we're speaking to wants to hear. And then when you start at that very core idea, that then can really take itself off through any company, whatever company that you work for or any body of people or organization. Um, if at its core, uh, authenticity is, is the keystone, then when you build upon that, you will, you, you will get what you 
not only what you 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 actually need, but you'll also get what you, what you fully deserve as well. I don't know if that's made any sense. And this is often the the, the difficulty is is actually getting these ideals into something that's tangible that people can pick up and use, right? I get it. I think it's completely, it's, it's objective. It's what I think is important that you've done there in terms of the, di- the diagnosis or at least the definition of authenticity is, is how it's personally helpful, but also commercially viable. And I think it's actually getting, we're getting to a point in a commercial landscape where it's not uh, an added bonus if you're an authentic person or brand, it's now a necessity because of our bullshit detectors, because of our access to everything in the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to know. But also, it's very easy to think that the inauthentic, uh, and if we take advertising as as like the example, yeah, that some of the things that we see, like, for example, I see a protein brand online that's advertising all their vitamins, they're pushing all their vitamins and they're calling them uh, like, advertising to look after your immune system right and i just saw that and was like behave yourself right and i think everybody's doing that but that's not necessarily when an organization is doing that i don't think that that's necessarily that they're trying to be underhand here but rather than actually starting at a place of who are we what are our true values and what are we trying to achieve they can often start right at the opposite end which is what do people want right now? Yeah. And actually, you can tap into, uh, and I'm vibing here, very much vibing here, but you could tap into a much more um, secure and authentic body of people. If you stayed truly connected to your values, you would, you would create a body of customer that is much more likely to be returning because they're there because they buy into your values rather than you thinking, what does Josh need? Let's try and do it, right? Which is where we would normally always always start, right? Does you know that make really sense? Funny. No, no, mate, you know what's really funny is that you've made, you've, you've made more sense in advertising than any of the bulletins that I've read from Campaign Live or The Drum or anything. Um, and you don't even work in that field, so... <laughs> no, um, I started to... That's actually, probably why. As I was, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And as I was talking through this, I thought, you're talking about advertising here and you've got no idea. <laughs> that is. No, no, but you but do. I know about... But I, but I, and I know about... I, I know about authenticity, right? And I know when I'm my most authentic self, the type of person that I will create a relationship with is the type of person that will stick around because they know who I am, right? And I might only make five friends out of a body of 20 people, but those five friends have bought into me and actually I get to be myself and express who I really am and they're going to stick around for the long haul and from a buying perspective, they're going to buy from me, whereas I might be able to trickle 20 into buying from me but once they realize that I'm not who I say I am, then they're gone. Mm. So there'd be a churn, right? So uh, if, if the resilience and authenticity workshops don't pan out, I'm looking for a job in advertising if anyone's... I wouldn't take one, mate, if I'm honest. But I mean, you should. You, you, <laughs> you, you'd be brilliant, but I think you'd be, you'd be very bored selling uh, ice cream to fat kids, um, which unfortunately is what it boils down to quite a lot, mate. So <laughs> I don't know how that would uh, tick off your authentic values um, too much. And you start to compromise pretty quickly and you'd be a terrible coach if you ever, ever were to return back to that world. Um, so I wouldn't do it. Okay. I've really enjoyed this. House, I feel like you've got a million people to coach right now. 
Um, uh, a million and one. Yeah, no, no. We're, 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 it's, uh, I wanted to make good time for this conversation today. Um, you know, speaking of authenticity, I think um, just doing this with all of our tech glitches and uh, having to run off for a charger and all that sort of stuff, that is what people are into right now, right? That's mm. basically the important uh, uh, kind of marker of the society we're living in right now, which is jumping on Zoom calls, um, trying to make something, trying to create something and not putting on this show or this over-polished kind of conversation. And that's what people are digging right now. And I think that's if, you know, so go back full circle of what we can take out is this level of authenticity that if we can just carry that into the world of work, into conversations, in the kind of business relationships and friendships and professional relationships, if we can carry that authenticity through, then I think that's a really powerful way to be kind of coming out of uh, what was it? AC, is that what you call it? Um, AC baby. AC baby. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I thank you both um, for this. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm going to, I've just, I've, I've written some notes on just where I've really enjoyed this conversation and what I want to kind of clip because there are so many th- parts of this that it's funny. I've, I've got a few conversations lined up with people that are in industry focused. And I just, I wonder if anyone's going to give me as much insight as to what Josh has given me just there in that little clip. Um, so no, thank you both. And hopefully this isn't, this isn't the last time that we do this. Would you guys want to return? For sure. Definitely. Yeah, I'm game, mate. I'm game, of course. Okay, I'm going to leave you on a little quiz question. Game on. Oh, I've heard uh, Josh's uh, competitive streak on quizzes. Shut up, house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Right. And this actually, it's going to be, um, it's going to be dog days related. Uh, oh, I don't really listen to dog days very often. It's funny because you I told do. me you had listened to quite a few, but actually, <laughs> oh, I'm only joking. Right. Just, this he is actually listen. a really, really hard question. It's, it's, a, it's a numbers focused question. Um, and House, I reckon you could just, you could do this by just stabbing it. You know, you're, not, you're probably not going to get this right. Okay. Is, is what I'm, is how I'm going to start. Good set up. Okay. okay. All right. I'm Either good. of us or just me. If Josh doesn't, he's, he's never coming on again. Right. Okay. So that's, uh, right. there's a lot more at stake here for Josh. Okay. Right. It's 2020 and um, we're in, you know, really tough times. Uh, speaking of times, how many times has Josh Connolly appeared? Five. Five. I reckon five. He, he's gone from very certain to I reckon. <laughs> Josh, five. Um, uh, has has given his answer. I'll let you finish the question. How many times has Josh Connolly appeared on stage to deliver his resilience workshop? <laughs> <laughs> Is it still five? Josh, how many times is, it, is that? What, have I been on the dog days? No, 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 mate. Have you delivered your resilience workshop? That's my, that's my oh. genuine question. I just wanted to know. A bit, oh, a bit, okay. Gen- a genuine question. Yeah. Uh, how many times have I delivered it from a stage? Mm. Um, I've got no idea. I don't mate, know. Mate, no. Ollie, it's not, not a great nearer. question. You want, it's, it's a terrible, <laughs> it's a really lame question. It was, it was actually going to be uh, on the Dodd days, but I just, I loved how you were so confident with five. I also think you might be wrong. Um, I think he might be wrong. Yeah, I think it's seven, actually. That's what, seven, is what, it? Seven. Mm. Uh, well, okay. You said four on your last podcast. Oh. So I just added this one. Super fan. So, 
So yeah, we didn't know. We actually recorded one last time, last well, last week, wasn't it, Josh? So, well, huh? yeah. But, yeah, but he, I didn't, he hasn't I didn't, officially. I didn't press record, did I? Look, you know, guys. Is it really... still going to go out, Ollie? That other one. I think so. The one that well, yeah, I didn't I mean, press we need record to see what we can do with the with <laughs> the audio. The sound sounds pretty awful. I'll see what Sam can do. But either way, guys, this has been a really good episode. I've enjoyed this a lot. Thank you. Fantastic. And well, look, thank you very much. And I'll uh, I'll let you know when it's going live. I'm going to press stop record now. Au revoir. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at the Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week. It's not a heat wave. These are the dog days. It's not a heat wave.